Gail Trotter, a conservative voice for you, right inside our nation's capital. Legal and political analysis. Now, The Gail Trotter Show. Hi, I'm Gail Trotter, host of The Gail Trotter Show. Thanks so much for joining me today. I have a question for you today. Will we Americans love liberty more or less after experiencing COVID-19? I believe that after COVID-19, Americans will treasure their freedoms even more and be more wary of government officials, elected leaders, and the expert class, despite the left's effort to never let a crisis go to waste. I want to share three points with you on this topic. Point one. The left wants to use this crisis to push more government control and to promote schisms among Americans. Well, I forced myself to go see what the left was saying. I picked an article from The Atlantic that I think is representative of much of the conversation on the left about COVID-19. This article was entitled, How the Coronavirus Could Create a New Working Class. Subheading, experts predict the outbreak outbreak will lead to a rise in populism, but will workers turn their rage to corporate CEOs or to middle class elites? And this shows such an effort by the left generally to paint Americans into groups, particularly classes. For example, a quote from the article. The past few weeks have exposed just how much a person's risk of infection hinges on class. I despise this type of thinking. We have no classes in America. We are all Americans. We have God-given rights protected by our Constitution and our system of government. I am so sick of leftists pulling Karl Marx off their shelf and assuming that a dead white male like Karl, Karl Marx has anything useful to say to Americans in our society these days. We are the anti-class society. You can live the life that you want to live in America. That's why so many people come here from all over the world for the chance to live the American dream. I still believe in the American dream. Let's take some more quotes from this article from The Atlantic written by a writer named Olga. Quote, self-isolation is an economic luxury. She was quoting Justin Guest, a public policy expert at George Mason University. Another quote, we are through this virus seeing who the truly essential workers are. It's not the people who get paid to write tweets all day, but the people who keep the tweeters in chickpeas and halo top. What is halo top? Can anyone relate to this woman's article? I certainly can't. Another quote she has, Epidemics and other natural disasters tend to both illuminate and reinforce existing schisms. You could almost see the glee in her writing about exacerbating schisms among, among various Americans. She also says this stunning comment in her article. History offers a precedent of plagues being perversely good for workers. Wow, that's quite an, an interesting argument to make that plagues are good for workers. Really what she's saying is plagues are good for pushing government control over Americans' lives. Another quote, is this going to be an inflection point where Americans begin to realize that we need government? We need each other. We need social solidarity. 
we are not all cowboys. Who knew? This quote is from Joan Williams, who's a law professor, a very smart expert person at the UC Hastings School of Law and the author of a book called The White Working Class. So you can see where her bias lies. So it's interesting because this woman goes further into this discussion, Olga, in this article, saying that many experts said one likely result of this outbreak will be an increase in populist sentiment, but it's not clear yet whether it will be leftist populism in the style of Bernie Sanders or conservative populism in the style of President Trump. This is something that the elite left love to pick on President Trump and other conservatives about, that they're populist. It's not that they're fulfilling the will of the people or they have persuasive ideas or they're trying to advance liberty and uh, economic opportunity for all. It's that they're tapping into this populist sentiment. For example, this writer goes on to say, right populism will, as white working, will try to convince white working class people to be in race solidarity and will lead to scapegoating of Chinese people and other foreigners. And yet I want to tell this writer, Olga, remember how generous the American people are to people all over the world, and especially to impoverished people. So Olga's trying to pick a race fight and a class fight where there is none. This author, o Olga, goes on further to to hypothesize that, quote, which path we go down depends on whom workers brand as elites. Now, if you look at the full article, it's clear that the author hopes that the tide will turn against CEOs and not the professional class because she says that these professional people are not really the elites, people like her. The author hopes that this will push for, quote, better worker protections, and she worries that Trump will inflame tensions by claiming that the pandemic is the fault of foreigners or elites in big cities. Well, we just had huge breaking news this week about the, the origin of the virus in Wuhan, China, and I'm going to link to the news report from Fox News down below for that as well. She also says poor Americans don't uniformly support greater government intervention on behalf of workers. Like, that's a crazy idea. It reminds me of all those think pieces by the left talking about how people in Kansas do not understand what's good for them and they vote against their economic interest. I can't think of anything that is more patronizing to tell American voters that they don't understand what they're voting for and that they don't understand the issues that affect their very lives. She goes on further, this Olga writer at The Atlantic, quote, white workers with lower levels of education have fled in large numbers to the Republican Party and are increasingly voting based on their ethno-nationalist beliefs and not class solidarity. She's quoting Bart Bonakowski, a Harvard sociology professor. Who is he to say this? You can almost hear him weeping about people supporting the opportunity for all platform of the GOP. It is just yet another sign of the expert class not understanding what real Americans care about, what regular Americans think, and really patronizing them. Back to the article by Olga. She points out the possibility of the disruption of the public education and government funding for public education. I'd like to do a separate episode on this because I do think 
that having all these children schooled for, from home really has created disruption. And I think parents are going to rethink whether or not they're getting what they want out of their public education. And a strong part of the GOP platform has long been that parents should have choice in deciding where they want to send their kids to school, which also creates accountability for the schools to make sure that they're delivering for their students. Back to Olga's article. She said that the, quote, entrenched beliefs about poverty and wealth are already being shaken up. Americans have long revered the wealthy. She's, she makes the point that, quote, disgust with the wealthy might le reach an occupy level fever pitch while we learn just how important the humble checker or the delivery driver really is. First of all, the Occupy Wall Street effort was an astroturf effort by the left to try and put pressure on the Bush administration. And it was something that quickly went away when President Obama came into office, which shows that it was a way to try and foment political disruption for President Trump and his administration. And it wasn't a genuine outpouring of concern about the structural differences in our society. So, but you can see this author is really pining away for the days of Occupy Wall Street. And I just think this is such a condescending, condescending article. And talking about the humble checker and the delivery driver, how important they are, that is just sneering at voters and it's canonizing the expert class. Regular Americans know how important everyone in the community is. That's the important thing of the Republican idea of how community works. It starts at the lowest level, which is the individual and the family, and you increase uh, the solidarity of the community by making sure that the people at the smallest level, the people who are most accountable for their decisions, are able to make the most decisions. So I wanna hold that article aside, and I wanna tell you how our Americans are reacting to, to the coronavirus and to some of this leftist idea about what this is gonna mean for the structure of our society after we get past this challenging time. Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer heard from her constitu constituents this week, loud and clearly. It reminds me of the Second Amendment rally that we covered in January of this year at the capital of Virginia in Richmond, Virginia. It was seeing the pictures of it, obviously I couldn't go, but seeing the pictures of the Michigan rally reminded me a lot of the one in Richmond that had over 20,000 people attend. Now in this age of coronavirus, there were over 10,000 people who attended the Michigan rally. So they descended on the state capitol in Michigan. They wanted to protest the heavy hand of Governor Gretchen Whitmer. And it's so fascinating because this comes at the same time that many people in the Democratic Party are trying to push her to be Joe Biden's vice presidential pick, his running mate for the presidential nominee or presidential election of 2020. And uh, some of her constituents in Michigan are upset because she appeared on a popular leftist talk show called The Daily Show wearing a custom printed shirt saying, that woman from Michigan. And it's quite interesting, some of the, the news reports from Detroit, the Detroit News said, her latest stay-at-home order is rubbing many citizens the wrong way, given the seemingly arbitrary stipulations. Garden seeds, paint, golf, 
not okay. Alcohol, pot, lottery tickets, go for it. A group has been formed called Michiganders Against Excessive Quarantine. It has over 300,000 members, and its purpose is to provide a place for Michiganders to organize and work toward a reasonable solution to the COVID-19 crisis that preserves liberty and the economy. This article from the Detroit News talks about how Whitmer takes an aggressive yet simplistic policy position and a win-at-any-cost approach. And the article makes the obvious point that no one wants to put the health of Michiganders further at risk, but the citizens of Michigan want their governor to take a more balanced approach. I'm going to link to a Fox piece, too. Uh, some of the organizers of the protest spoke with Fox News, and they explained how the governor's executive orders have been onerous and unduly restrictive and tyrannical. One citizen pointed out the poor service of the unemployment system in Michigan, saying that the system is completely archaic. The system is gone. And this citizen also said, quote, imagine this. She is a governor who is keeping abortion clinics open, but she bans the sale of the American flag. To me, that pretty much sums her up. I also am going to link to a Fox Business piece by lawyer and prominent legal scholar John Yu. The title of his piece is called Lansing, Michigan Protests Should Not Surprise Us. There are real risks from aggressive, prolonged lockdowns. The subheading of John Yu's piece says, draconian state lockdown orders is allowed to continue to threaten the voluntary law-abiding character of the American people. Now, the, John Yu makes the argument, which I think is so important, that state governors must better explain their reason for the trade-offs between showing, slowing the spread and throwing millions of people out of work. We have tens of millions of people who are unemployed right now who weren't unemployed before the coronavirus struck. Now, John Yu makes the important political point that the state governors sit closer to the people so they're more accountable to the people of that region than, for example, the president is. And John Yu makes such a great point asking if the state officials considered less intrusive manners. And when we think about government intrusion into our lives, we give the government responsibility or the ability, the power to help protect the health and public safety, but we want to make sure that they don't trample on liberty, that they're not going too far, that they're only doing what's reasonably tailored to solve the problem at hand. John Yu says this point, the governors must make this trade-off in a responsible and informed manner. If they do not explain how and why they arrived at their decision, they risk popular discontent. I could not agree with John Yu more. So then we're going to flip to an article from, article from New York Magazine talking about protests going on in North Carolina. And one rally protester told the local news that the hospitals are empty. The, this piece also talks about a, loss, a lawsuit by four Michigan residents who say that Whitmer, Governor Whitmer of Michigan, has violated their First and Fifth Amendment rights. They say that it's taking a sledgehammer to an ant. Ohio has protesters as well. They have signs saying quarantine is worse than the virus and we do not consent. 
I want to pull in a little conversation that Rush Limbaugh had with a fan of his who called in. She called in in frustration and she said, quote, I can go buy a lottery ticket, I can go have an abortion, but I cannot buy seeds to plant food for the summer. Whitmer has closed off whole sections of the store so we cannot buy paint. We can't buy flooring to fix our houses, but we can get marijuana at the local weed shop, so we are just fed up with it. Rush mentioned, and I think it's so important to put this out there, that no governor wants what has happened to the state of New York to happen to their state, and Rush faults Governor Whitmer for taking the shotgun approach rather than focusing on where the problems are. And I think Rush rightly notes, quote, they are getting off on the newfound uses of power that they are discovering, including the mayors, and requiring, for example, one-way side rocks for crying out loud, end quote. Rush mentioned that conservatives are not really regular protesters, but now they have the opportunity with being out of work. He makes the great point that, quote, Americans are amazingly compliant when told the truth about the dangers, and they're amazingly industrious when told what needs to happen to overcome them. But he says this, and I think this is so true, that staying at home goes against the grain of the way most people, most Americans, spend their days and just part of naturally who they are. So I want to put a poll out there for you today. If you lived in Michigan, or if you do live in Michigan, would you go protest Governor Whitmer's heavy-handed approach to the crisis? So my third point for today's episode is that Americans will cherish liberty even more once these government restrictions are lifted and the virus subsides. Think about the First Amendment, the freedom of assembly. You have police officers trying to break up these protests, and yet Americans have always felt like they had a natural and constitutionally protected right to protest. And these are not violent political protests. They're not violent people. They just want to be heard by their governors and by their mayors. And so I think Americans will treasure that First Amendment even stronger. Americans are also big proponents of the freedom of religion. And I think the way that the government has been responding to this virus has been heavy-handed towards the freedom of religion. We, saw straight, we see states treating churches differently than other organizations. And I think the grossest thing I've seen online this week has been seeing leftists make fun of a pastor who said that God was bigger than this virus. And then sadly, the pastor died of the virus. And leftists are laughing about that. And these are the same leftists who try to tell us that people on the left are so caring and Republicans and conservatives are so cold. It is really shocking when we have examples of this. Let's think about the Second Amendment. Crime has gone up. Police protection has gone down, inmates are being released around the country, and gun stores are being shuttered in some states. I think Americans are going to care about their Second Amendment even more after this crisis because they're going to realize that the government, when push comes to shove, cannot protect them, and they're going to take the defense of their families into their own hands, and they're going to not like these ridiculous rules that we have put on law-abiding citizens that do nothing, that do nothing to limit the amount of violence in our country. What about economic activity? 
Americans cherish their right to go out and engage in commerce, to work, to hire people, to get your hair cut. And I think that this virus will just awaken everybody to how much we take that for granted. In a lot of countries, they have restrictions on things, basic things that Americans just assume that we have the right to do. Now, while the states have police power to make sure that they can try to protect the public health, they need to relinquish it once the crisis passes, and they need to not do it beyond what is absolutely necessary to try and help public health. Now, go back to this author of the Atlantic piece. Olga is wrong. I do not believe that this crisis will be the left's ticket to divide people into Marxist classes and to use this lever to increase government control over our lives. This shows us instead how ineffective and overreaching the government can be, particularly in times of crisis. I do believe that after this coronavirus-19 crisis passes, Americans will treasure their freedom even more and be even more wary of government elected officials and the expert class trying to tell us how to live our lives, despite the left's efforts to try never to let a crisis go to waste. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of The Gail Trotter Show. Be sure to subscribe below, hit the bell, and please leave a comment down below about what topic you would like me to cover next. Be well. Thanks for listening to The Gail Trotter Show, right in D.C. Be sure to sign up for her mailing list on her website, gailtrotter.com, and also follow her on Twitter, at Gail Trotter, as well as on Facebook and Instagram. Subscribe now, it's easy. Thanks for listening. Share the truth. Share The Gail Trotter Show.